everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hello. How are you, sweetheart? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. You look good. Thank you. You look um, healthy. I showered. I yeah. put some makeup on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've been using those uh, frownies? Uh, I have, yes. Okay. Yeah, good, mm-hmm. good. A um, little link to the frownies in case you uh, want to look as good as Allison. Or if you think Allison's ugly, then probably stay you're away like, from them. Oh, no thank you. Yeah, if you don't like what Allison looks like, then stay away. <laughs> but uh, besides that, um, yeah, husband going this week? Uh, your parents are in town from Illinois. When did they get in? Uh, about a week ago. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our house is so huge. There's like, you know, 30 rooms. And we it's have like, seven wings. Yeah, they're, they're, they're staying in the west wing. Okay, the maids didn't tell me about that yet. <laughs> so I'll, I'll find them eventually. Um, It's funny because we kind of introduced your mom to sushi last week we picked <laughs> them up from the airport it's 2023 and introducing people to sushi it's it's different well but. she's had it before but it was one of those things like she never really thought about it she'd maybe take a bite of a piece well it's weird it's definitely weird i mean who's gonna be like mm, uncooked fish that sounds great and so we took her to a took them to a thai restaurant last week and we got a few rolls of sushi and she is like all week she's like i can't stop thinking about it that's so funny it's such a fun thing to get sushi it's social that's yeah. the best part of the whole thing because you can get like three or four different roles and then be like i'll have one of these and one of those i'm the type of person that doesn't like to commit to an entree that's why i like tapas a lot because i like bites of different things yeah so it, i always feel like it's daunting when i'm ordering like this big old seafood dinner or something like that at a restaurant not to mention we don't go out very much never like almost never we the first time i was ever at this restaurant probably <laughs> what f- half a mile from our house right we w- could walk there was like two days three days ago with my dad before my son's football game our son's football game and uh, it's beautiful i have a nice like outdoor area right on on the water i was like we should probably go here it's only a half mile from our house i know it's so ridiculous it's just i think we're so run down that the idea of like putting on regular clothes and going out is so daunting like right now we're recording this i'm in a v-neck t-shirt and my viore pants my yeah. joggers you're not trying to very hard at all I yeah would say. and neither am i i'm not you know I'm not saying you're are anywhere. we in a rut i don't think so like why do, so i think you have this thing in your head that we have to go out on a date in order to like enjoy each other you're like we haven't been on a date in six months well i was listening to a podcast and they voiced that question they're like oh, when was great. the last time you were on a date with your husband i'm like i i have no idea I truly, I have no idea. It's because we don't have like official like, okay, this is the date. But we spend a lot of time together just hanging out. Yeah, we hang out together on the couch. Isn't that like what a date is, really? I mean, it's not connecting eye to eye over dinner, maybe. But why do you have to have dinner to have a date? I don't know. Why can't you just hang out? To me, who makes rules? Make your own rules. Right, exactly. So when you're on this podcast, like, when's that? You got to make sure you see your husband once a week (laughs) for a date. It's and then it's in your head. It's almost like when you watch like one of those romantic comedies. It's like, why don't we do sweet little things like that with each (laughs) other? Well, that's a movie. We've been together over twenty years, and you know, there's sweet little things we do, but it's not the same thing as some bullcrap movie that you know is fake. Yeah. we do our own thing. We are going to go on a date next month. We're going to see Nate Bergatzi, the comedian. Whose idea was that? Yours. Yeah. Very good. I'm not blaming you. I'm lazy and not motivated, too. Okay. As long as I'm not being blamed, oh, then that's you, fine. Oh, you are most certainly not being blamed. Okay. You see the fire in my eyes. Well, I asked your mom, I'm like, do you want to go out for sushi or get sushi in? And then when we were getting ready to do this, I'm like, maybe we should get sushi in. That's always your answer. <laughs> it's like I was, I was surprised you were even asking me. I'm like... Are you like turning a new leaf? Do you like to go out now? Like, what's the situation <laughs> no. here? No, we no new are. leaf. The leaf is dead on the ground. It's been sitting there for years. Well, and then everybody that listens know I'm knows I'm cheap, so it 
it's like, am I going to add another 20% on top of whatever I'm paying? Like, even when you get takeout, they're still asking for tips, even though I'm just still buying the food and you're not delivering it to me. You're just bringing it to me. I'm actually walking to your restaurant to come get it. Right. So I sure, like, if I like them, I'll leave a dollar. Yeah. But, I mean, that's about it. And sorry, any of those servers out there that expect more, but you're not getting it from me. So Not from Mike, that's no. for sure. Scrooge over here. But if I, hey, when I do go out, 20% minimum, unless you're like a total piece of garbage. Right. Then it's like 10 or 15%. But I mean, 20% and up is where of we Of course, yeah. yeah. So I'll redeem myself there. <laughs> but um, how, anything else going on? Not a thing. Okay. Well, let's get this thing started. All right, let's go. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So this is a listener suggestion from Kyla. And this is the death of Lauren Agee. So Lauren Taylor Agee was born on August 19th, 1993 in Biloxi, Mississippi. And to the end, um, excuse me. And in 2015, at the time of the story, she lived in Hendersonville, Tennessee with her mom, Sherry Smith, her stepfather, Michael Smith, and her three sib- siblings. This was Allison, Jordan, and Joshua. So 21-year-old Lauren was described as beautiful, hilarious, energetic, and bubbly. And all the videos I watched her in, you could tell she was definitely not a wallflower. She was somebody that was very energetic. Um, Her mom said that she was loud. She was hilarious. She loved to be around people. She was a definite people person. One of those uh, adding to the the party sort Mm -hmm. of things. So her sister described her as a spirited, silly girl. She had a zest for life. She was passionate about sports. She loved to dance. That was her big thing. She also had plenty of medals from her time in gymnastics. She loved to copy dance videos and recreate them. She had actually been in at least one music video, which one I'm not sure, but she was a good dancer. Like a real music video. Mm -hmm. Wow. She had been offered a dancing scholarship for college, but she did turn it down because she wanted to focus on her studies in criminal science. Uh, She was in her second year of a local college at this point in time. Her goal was basically to solve mysteries, kind of like a CSI type of situation. So that was her plan for when she graduated. So Lauren was in a great place in her life. She was surrounded by friends, tons and tons of friends. And she had a boyfriend who she referred to as the one. They were getting serious. So on Friday, July 24th, 2015, she went to a thing called Wakefest. And she went with her friend, Hannah Palmer. And then they were going to meet up with Hannah's boyfriend, Aaron Lilly, and his friend, Chris Stout. That weekend was the first time she had actually met Chris. And then Hannah had later said that she really didn't know Chris very well either. So this this whole thing that they were going to, this wake fest, it's this annual three-day wakeboarding fest that's held on Center Lake in Smithville, Tennessee. I mean, it looked like a fantastic time. So it's about 80 miles from where Lauren lived. And so what people do is they come to this fest. They gather all along the the lake to watch professional wakeboarders. So these guys are competing, and the fest usually drives at least 2,000 spectators. So it's a big deal. People look forward to it all year. And people just gather around on their boats. People take houseboats. Um, they rent cabins. And it's basically just a weekend party on the lake. That's what I pictured. Just a bunch of people on their boats and mm-hmm. stuff and hanging out. And yeah. yeah. Lots of drinking, lots of carousing, lots of fun times. Yes. So Lauren's mom, Sherry, when she found out that her daughter was going, she wasn't thrilled with this idea. For the first thing, she wasn't exactly fond of her friendship with Hannah. She didn't love that Lauren was friends with Hannah. So this was a childhood friendship. I believe they'd known each other since age 10. And she felt that Hannah was kind of one of those like fair weather friends, a friend of convenience, where if you're busy, you're with a boyfriend, you're not going to hear from Hannah. But if she's single, you're seeing her a lot. Yeah, but you know what? That happens to a lot of people, too. 
right? Like, I mean, once you find somebody you're really into, you're not thinking, oh, I want to go hang out with my friends. You're thinking, I want to hang out with my boyfriend or girlfriend. You have to make time for your friendships. Yeah. Whether you're in a relationship or not. Yeah. I I think it's important. So Sherry also felt anxious about the idea of her daughter going to an alcohol-soaked weekend away because she knew it was. And as Lauren turned to leave, she had this weird feeling. It's maybe this mother's intuition. She just didn't want to see her daughter go. And she said she called her back. Like, again, she's like, come on, just one last hug. And she gave her daughter a huge squeeze. She told her that she loved her and told her, please be careful. Sherry and Lauren were extremely close. They were inseparable. Sherry referred to Lauren as mini-me, and Lauren referred to her mom as mama bear. And Lauren told her mom that she and her friends had rented a cabin on the lake for that weekend. However, when Lauren got there, that wasn't the case. There was a campsite that was arranged by Aaron, who was Hannah's boyfriend, and another uh, guy named Bricks Hadrich. And she appeared to be having a blast, though, as she uploaded pictures to social media. So their situation was they drove up in Lauren's car, but Hannah drove the car. And then there they met Aaron and Chris. So what they did was they basically just spent the day drinking. They were watching the wakeboarding. And then they were also supposedly doing some cliff diving. Someone had said that when it was Lauren's turn to jump, she ended up banging her head on one of the rocks. She felt a little out of it. Maybe she had a concussion. We don't really know. Yeah, 100%. Um, Despite the injury, Lauren did not want it to dampen the time. She carried on. Hey, let's keep going. Let's have fun. And they did. They continued to have fun. So then we're moving on to the night of Saturday, July 25th. So a fast security guard who was also an off-duty police officer, this is Chris Yarchuk. She saw Lauren at the only bar that was located on the lake. It was at the marina. And he noticed Lauren. He described her as energetic and very lively. Uh, they actually showed a like a surveillance video where she saw the camera and she like stopped and like waved at it and was <laughs> smiling. Just a really cute girl. Yeah. And he recalls that the people she was with were more quiet and reserved, not nearly as outgoing as Lauren was. He said that as she left with Hannah, Aaron, and Chris, this was about 2 a.m., he saw them walk down the dock by the lake where they took a canoe to their campsite, which was across the lake. And then a high school friend named Cassie Franks also saw Lauren that night. They were also at the bar. They spoke, and Lauren made it clear to Cassie of the situation that it was basically two and two at the campsite. She's like, I'm not into Chris. I have a boyfriend. We're serious. I'm just there to have fun with friends. Yeah, she had the boyfriend that she considers the one. Mm Mm-hmm. So again, instead of this cabin that Lauren told her mom they were staying in, this was a campsite that was located on an outcropping. So this was right across from the Lakes Marina. And on this outcropping, there is a 35-foot drop down to the lake on one side. And on on the other side of this outcropping, there's a 90-foot drop to the lake. Jeez. So the area they would be camping on wasn't owned or regulated by Wakefest. There were no signs or fences. It wasn't protected like that. And in order to get to the top, you had to walk up a very steep and rocky incline. I watched several videos of people doing it. It was treacherous. Wow. And they also said, so this incline that you're walking up with, it's lined with a lot of trees, brush, and they say that there's a lot of snakes there, too. <laughs> it sounds like right up your alley. Oh, my gosh. I was watching it, and I was like, not a chance. You turn around and be like, we're not going to Wakefest, looks like. <laughs> so there, again, is this rope, and you're hoisting yourself up to keep you from falling. And... <laughs> With the rope. That's, yes. That's typically not safe. 
According to Cassie, Lauren was not happy with the situation because from my understanding, Lauren believed they were having a cabin. Well, yeah, you're expecting a cabin, which is, you know, has walls and a roof. And, you know, typically you can just walk into a cabin rather than having to hike up to it and have a treacherous climb. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, definitely something different. So she actually asked Cassie on Saturday night, could I stay with your group? And Cassie later spoke with True True Crime Daily and said, Lauren did ask if she could go with my group, but we just did not have any more room. And that was the very last time she saw her friend. Uh. So Cassie was worried about Lauren's safety. She herself had camped at the spot. And she said, one and done, never again. She was not comfortable there. She said, again, she had no extra room. So she left with her group. Lauren left with hers. Leave it to a couple idiot guys. Be like, yeah, we'll stay here. It's a great idea. Well, and the two guys they were staying with, Aaron and Chris, were like the adrenaline junkie types, Um, you know, doing skydiving, the wakeboarding, all sorts of extreme type sports. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, nothing wrong with that if you're, yeah. into, you know, you have people that are into the similar things. So this to them, you know, they're in their 20s. You know, they're like 22, 24 years old. That, that's all fine and dandy, but Lauren wasn't exactly comfortable with the situation. Hey, real quick, where was Lauren's boyfriend for this? He wasn't there. Okay. I, I'm not sure where he was that say. weekend. Okay. So another friend of Lauren's was named Evan Shelton, and he said when he saw Le- Lauren leaving the bar, she did have a few beers, but she did not at all appear impaired or publicly intoxicated. She seemed like Lauren. That's exactly what he said. And on this video where she waved at the camera, you could tell like her eyes looked clear. Lauren recorded her and her friends leaving. They were canoeing to the campsite and Hannah could be heard making the comment. We are going into a death trap. That's what she said. So Hannah and Aaron planned to sleep in the one available tent, and Lauren was to share the hammock with this guy, Chris, that she's just meeting that night. Like one hammock? One hammock. Oh, my God. Like who? Obviously, the guys planned it, and they're like, yeah, this is cool. And then Chris is probably planning on trying to get some or whatever. And, you know, Lauren's not going to sleep on the ground. There's like snakes down there and whatnot. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Meanwhile, you're not going to sleep at all because you're just scared. I would not sleep. And if you could see where this hammock was, and I will post pictures to Instagram. So this hammock is literally almost to the edge of the cliff where there's a 90 foot drop below. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it sounds beautiful, probably. Probably oh, a nice was. view. But... It was a beautiful view. Yeah. So the next afternoon, now we're moving on to Sunday, July 26. There was a man named Lynn Blair and his son, Dylan, and they were out fishing on their boat at on, on the lake. It was about 4.20 p.m. when they noticed something floating in the water. When Lynn noticed bright pink shorts, he realized in horror that he was looking at the body of a young woman. Oh, no. And initially, he thought it was a child. And as they got closer, he was just horrified. And he was very emotional. And he said, you know, he's looking at this girl and he knows that she has a mom and and a dad. She doesn't he doesn't know who this girl is, but he knew as he was looking at her that everybody's lives in in this girl's life was going to change forever. Somebody's about to get the worst news. Exactly. And it was just so sad. And sadly, this was Lauren's body. So in the meantime, Lauren's mom was starting to get frantic. So she was trying to unsuccessfully get a hold of her daughter. Because we're talking all day 726. She was unreachable, basically. uh, Well, this was at 420 p.m. on Sunday. Right, the 26th. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sunday. So so that whole day Sunday, she was Mm -hmm. unreachable. She was unreachable. I mean, I imagine something happened Saturday. 
So she's texting her daughter, hello, hey you, and she was worried that she hadn't heard from her, but you know, she's like, she was almost 22 years old, maybe she just didn't have her phone with her, you know, you make those excuses in your head. You're at a fest, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not paying attention to your phone. So, you know, she was worried, but she hadn't heard anything from anybody. She hadn't gotten a phone call from Hannah that something was wrong, so she went about her day. And then soon after, a police officer came to share in Michael's front door and they were told that they had there was an accident in DeKalb County. They needed to get to the hospital as soon as possible. So, of course, they're driving this distance and their mind is going a million miles a minute, not knowing what it, what kind of an accident. That's all they were told. They had no idea what happened. So they get to the hospital and they were basically placed in like almost like an emergency room type of place. And 15 and 20 minutes go by. They're still not getting any answers. She's going up to the lady at the desk. Please, can someone tell me what's going on with my daughter? I can't tell you. You know, you just have to wait. So finally, this officer, Jeremy Taylor, brought Sherry and Michael into a private room. And they were given the devastating news that Lauren had died. And the first thing Sherry wanted to know was, where are her group of friends? Where are the people she came on this trip with? Yeah. So she could not understand, why am I hearing on Sunday night that my daughter is gone when she had been missing all day long? It was so crazy to her. So she said, you know, why hadn't Hannah called me? Well, very suspicious of, you know, obviously also first, yeah, you're mad. And then it's like, wait, maybe there's a reason that they haven't. Right. Uh, What's going on here? So they were initially told that the injuries that caused Lauren's death were from cliff jumping and she had been possibly knocked unconscious. Maybe she suffered a concussion and then she had fallen off the cliff in the middle of the night. Sherry never saw any written statements or police reports that Lauren had gone cliff jumping. She never saw a single photo of anybody in the group taking pictures of this cliff jumping happening. So, you know, whether or not it did, we don't know. Not to say it didn't, but there's no proof. There's no proof of it is what I'm saying. And police told them in regards to Sherry saying, where are her friends? He said they're being questioned. So when police spoke with Hannah, Aaron, and Chris, they said that they had all been drinking that night before. They were drunk by the time they got back to the campsite. Hannah said that Chris and Lauren slept in the hammock near the edge of the cliff, and she and Aaron slept in the tent. When they woke up, Hannah went up to the um, hammock and noticed that Lauren wasn't there. So she woke Chris up and said, you know, where is Lauren? He said, oh, she must have gotten up a while ago. I didn't feel her. And when she asked how long ago did she get up, he said he had no idea. She said that they hadn't reported her missing since Chris said that Lauren mentioned meeting someone. All of Lauren's belongings, including her flip-flops, her wallet, her cell phone, were all left underneath the hammock, which Hannah had admitted did worry her. In one of the interviews, I saw her crying and saying she would have never gone off without those things. So why didn't you call somebody, Hannah? (laughs) I can't wrap my head around any of this. So the terrain where they were staying, of course, was a rocky cliff. Had Lauren gone off without her shoes, her feet would have been completely torn up. She would not have scaled down that cliff barefoot. Well, Hannah's fooling herself. She's mm-hmm. trying to like say, like, well, I, I, I wish I would have done so. Yeah, of course you would have. And you were just like, I don't know, under control by somebody or something. You just didn't want to like yeah, rock the waters, even though your friend was in dangerous trouble. Mm-hmm. Good, good friend. So Hannah also indicated that the canoe they had used to get from the marina to their campsite was still sitting down there. So 
if well, where did Lauren go? Just you know, hitchhiked. Maybe the guy picked her up and she said, I'm not using shoes or I don't need my wallet or my phone. Right. And Hannah, that's just something that wouldn't have happened. So you're a bad person, basically. And Sherry just couldn't wrap her head around how her friends hadn't told anyone that Lauren was missing. They hadn't asked anyone to help look for her. They hadn't done any of the things that your normal friends would have done had you just disappeared. Well, I'm talking a lot of crap about Hannah, but what about Aaron and Chris? Like, what are their whole roles? And I'm sure you're going to tell us. Yeah, I mean, a lot of nothing. So when DeKalb County Sheriff's Department investigated the area, they found no signs of foul play. They simply believed that Lauren had fallen off the edge of the cliff. She had either died from the fall or she had drowned. The medical examiner found that her blood alcohol level was twice the legal limits. Her death was ruled as accidental, and it was documented fell from a cliff, landed on rocks, and rolled into the lake. It was assumed that she was intoxicated. She fell out of the hammock to her death. Which is definitely possible. Uh, yeah, of course you know, it's you possible. You said it was right there on the edge, and it's like you got to get up to pee in the middle of the night, and you forget where you are, and then you tumble down a gigantic cliff. Mm-hmm. So the official report indicated that Lauren's cause of death was blunt force trauma from the fall and possible drowning, and the case was very quickly closed. So despite the results, Lauren's family had no sense of closure. Her mom, Sherry, wanted answers. She could not understand why Lauren's three friends would have gone about their day on the 26th, despite the fact that Lauren was missing and her things had been left behind. Good sense on this lady. Sherry was shocked when she saw a post on Chris's Instagram account that had been posted on July 27th, which was the day after Lauren's body was found. It was a picture of Chris, Hannah, and Aaron on a boat, and the caption read, Best weekend ever. <laughs> the caption was later changed to Wakefest 2015 went pretty good this year. Met some new friends. That made it awesome. And I saw the picture and, you know, Chris and Aaron, fine. They're whatever. But Hannah is Lauren's childhood friend. Had my friend been found face down in a lake dead, I wouldn't be sitting on a boat smiling in a picture. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. have. I would have immediately left Wakefest. I would have been devastated. I, and I don't like to say what I would do per se, but I just couldn't wrap my head around how you could be smiling in a picture after your friend's body was and found. This is the day after she was found, so they knew about it. Never oh yeah, and I mean yeah, Chris or whatever, because you know we I know guys can be stupid and just kind of block things out and be like, but who the hell would post best weekend ever when you were part of a. a the group where somebody died. You like, shared a stupid? hammock with a girl that died. That's a insane. 21-year-old that died. Right. How, as a human being, were you not devastated? Yeah. So, Sherry got a phone call then from Officer Ryan Melanson, who was an off-duty patrol sergeant for the White County Sheriff's Department. So, he was actually working as a security detail for Fish Lips Marina. This was the bar area where they had all been the night before. So, he was working for Wakefest, basically. He felt that Lauren's death was was not an accident. He was on the scene right after Lauren's body was found. He spent time with Chris and Aaron at the scene. He described their demeanor as nervous and anxious. They showed no sympathy whatsoever. No remorse. No sadness. And remind me, he's a security guard or part of the police? He is a police officer. He okay. was he was working security. Got it. Okay. So he he is trained and to yes. look for these Oh yeah. Things. He's a police officer. He said their body language was completely off. It was odd. If it was somebody that didn't do this professionally professionally then you might have to question it but, oh yeah he know. was a professional yeah. and at one point chris was joking about grabbing officer melanson's gun and going on the 
run with it. Twice he said that. It's like, hey, just so you know, if that happens, I'm shooting you. And like, that's what he said. He's like, dude, you don't want to do that. And yeah. the second time he said it, the guy that was driving the boat was like, you do not want to grab at that officer's gun because that could go really badly right now. It's like you're sitting at It's like, are, am I hearing this right? Is he talking about taking my gun? Like, is he out of his mind? And he said that the way Aaron's demeanor was, it was like almost like he was falling asleep in the boat and Chris was jittery and very hyperverbal. And a lot of the time, Aaron kept having to tell him to shut up. And it was just a very odd demeanor situation. So you can tell Aaron was worried he was going to say something he shouldn't. Right. So Sherry also spoke with the off-duty officer who had seen Lauren that night when she was getting in the canoe with her friends. And that's Officer Yarchuk. And he actually was in the boat with Officer Melanson. So they both had found out immediately that this body was found face down in the water. They were kind of rolling up in a pontoon boat together as they were finding Lauren's body. And what did Officer Yelchuk have to say? Um, Yarchuk. Yarchuk. So at this point, you know, they're rolling up in this platoon, or, uh, pontoon boat, excuse me, and he sees Chris and Aaron paddling over in their canoe. And they were told, like, Officer Melanson yelled back to them, stay back, because right now they're trying to, re- like, get everybody involved to recover a body. And they continued forward and asked, if that was their friend in the water, that's what they asked. And they said, our friend is missing. Is that our friend in the water? And at this point, they approached the pontoon boat and and the officers kind of wanted to talk to them. So Officer Melanson felt that it was so strange that they assumed it was their friend's dead body in the water, yet they hadn't reported her missing earlier. Yeah. Like, you think she's dead, but you haven't said anything to anybody that she's gone. Yeah. If, if that was a thought in your head, you would have called the authorities. To go look. So his mind is spinning as this is all happening, and he's thought maybe they had something to do with their death. That's what he's thinking as he's sitting on this pontoon boat, and that maybe they disposed of Lauren's body, and they didn't expect that it was going to rise back up to the surface. So they were literally coming over to do damage control. Sure, is the feeling that you know they that he was getting. He voiced that he did not believe that Lauren simply slipped and fell to her death. He didn't feel that where her body was found in relation to where she would have fallen based on where the hammock was, that it would have made sense. Had she fallen from the campsite, the odds of her body even reaching the bottom of where the water was was super unlikely. And I'll talk more about that. Um, There's a lot of trees that line this cliffside. So it would have prevented her from reaching the bottom, let alone the water. Mm. So Aaron, Chris, and Hannah went to the police station at about 7.15 p.m. They had to fill out paperwork. They were never interviewed. It was um, the understanding that they were supposed to be interviewing interviewed, but they just left. When they got back to the cliff, cliff they were expecting like maybe some crime scene tape or something. No, nothing. Nothing whatsoever. They literally scaled back up as they did that night before. They gathered their belongings and they just left. Like it was not a crime scene whatsoever. Nothing was like cor- corralled off. So the officers on the scene were both thinking, okay, something's up here. And then But they weren't the, t- the police officers. Oh, right. They okay. were working security. Okay. What about the police officers that showed up? We'll talk a little bit more about that. Oof, man. I mean, I'm going to give credit where good police work is, and this does not sound like it. Mm-mm. So Aaron, Chris, and Hannah went, or excuse me, I already read that. So basically, they had free range of their campsite. They went back up as if nothing happened. They I mean, gathered their belongings. I see a big lawsuit here at the very least. So the other thing was, is that Sherry was given Lauren's belongings. A lot of 
things were missing. Her clothing was gone. Her sleeping bag was gone. She was like, where are the rest of my daughter's things? Nobody had any idea. Phone. Yeah. Everything was just gone. Hmm. A lot of things were missing here. Sherry felt unsettled by the facts around her daughter's death and made the decision to hire a private investigator. So this was Sheila Wysocki. She began investigating Lauren's case in February of 2016. So Sheila was a stay-at-home mom who later became a private investigator after she helped solve the murder of her college roommate. When she reviewed Lauren's autopsy results, as well as the photos, she felt that things were not adding up. She, so she's not a former police officer or anything? No. That's pretty nope. awesome. I she mean, literally helped at, solve a case. It's solving a puzzle is what it is, and that's why I think a lot of us listen to these sort of things. It's like you, you try to solve the puzzle. Well, what are we doing when we're reading a mystery book? Yeah. We're all trying to figure out who, who did it. And unfortunately, this is a horrible situation because this is an actual human this being. This is a real-life situation. Not, it's not a game, but it is something because no. you want to find the person who did it. Absolutely. So she noticed what appeared to be a bite mark on one of Lauren's breasts, but detectives explained it away as a bruise from a fall. She also saw hemorrhaging in Lauren's neck that indicated strangulation. And according to Sheila, it was her thought that somebody had choked her. Somebody either held her down or choked her. And then the cops are like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, lady. You're not even a cop. Get Mm -hmm. out of here. And it's like, those are like, you know... If we're looking at a bite mark, you want to look for those ridges of a tooth. And the cops are just like, they just want to close the case. Not all cops, but these cops right now are trying to just close this case and move on because they've got Wakefest to worry about. Mm -hmm. So Sheila felt sure that Lauren's death had not been as a result of an accidental drowning. According to the results of the autopsy, no water was found in either Lauren's lungs or her stomach. Now, there are cases that that doesn't happen. Dry drowning is what they call that. Sheila believes that Lauren was placed in the water after she died. She believes that Lauren was likely fighting someone to get away and had fallen back and hit her head, causing death by blunt force trauma. Lauren's nose and fingers were broken, which could have come from a fall, but could have also happened during a fight with an attacker. There was also bruising on Lauren's thighs that Sheila felt could have occurred by someone kneeling on her, holding her down. It could have also been an indication that Lauren was potentially raped. The bruising that was found on her body wasn't as deep as you would expect had she fallen off the height of a cliff, and she only had some minor scrapes. There were also marks of a triangle inside of a triangle on Lauren's stomach that lined up with a mark you would get if you were pinned down against the edge of of a canoe, Mm. which is what they did use to get back to the campsite. Her clothes were also in perfect condition despite the alleged fall, like they weren't all marked up there was no like ripping or anything like that I mean, that's that's something you would definitely look into uh, when it comes to you know investigating the scene so the sheriff's department was questioned about that triangle inside of a triangle shape on her abdomen and they indicated that her body had been placed into a twra which is the tennessee wildlife resource agency boat to transport her bat her body back to the boat ramp they said that the mark was an identical match to the twra storage locker the lid where her body had been placed. Officer Yarchuk said that's not possible. He's like, it's a square case that wouldn't happen. Uh-huh. So he didn't buy that, that um, solution. Yeah. So um, officer Yarchuk does, doesn't believe this theory. He feels that the mark looks exactly like the bow of their canoe bow. Bow. Yeah. Bow. Thank you. I'm not a boat person. It's okay. So his thought is that maybe, maybe somebody laid Lauren's body over the bow, 
bow. Bow. <laughs> bow. Stop saying bow. Just go, <laughs> Over the bow calm. of the canoe after she had died. So what his explanation was is say something had happened and they're now trying to dispose of Lauren's body. There's something called lividity. It would set in and then the blood would pool, leaving that mark on her body. I did see the picture of it and it did look exactly like that part of the canoe. So he feels that this idea is indisputable. That he That's what he said. Hmm. So Sheila and Lauren's family did over 50 test drops at the top of this cliff using a mannequin that was the same height and weight as Lauren. They dropped it over the edge of the cliff where Lauren would have been sleeping. Each and every time the mannequin had gotten tangled in the thick brush going down the cliff, not once making it even halfway to the bottom. And obviously, you know, there's always a chance of a one in a million thing. Of course. But you want to see... And that's really, that was my thing. Did it get close to it even? And because it didn't get even close, odds are that didn't happen. Yeah. And I watched um, in one of the videos, Officer Yarchuk was throwing off, not a mannequin, but more like a test dummy. It got caught in the trees big time. And even if her, her body had made it to the bottom, there was still several feet of rock that she would have had to roll over to reach the water. Yeah. So neither Aaron, Chris, or Hannah Again, Hannah is a long-term close friend. Not one of them attended Lauren's funeral. Well, Hannah did not go to her friend of 11 years funeral. You felt so bad that her shoes and phone and clothes were still there, but you didn't go to her funeral, you piece of garbage. So a couple of months after her death, Hannah and Aaron relocated to Florida. It was around this time that nasty comments about Lauren and the circumstances of her death, including false statements, began coming out online. Private investigator Sheila tracked the IP IP address to the same street where Hannah and Aaron lived in Florida. Mm. What would be the reason for that? Uh, Sour grapes. I don't know. Not sour grapes. That's just because they know what they did. So Sheila flew to South Florida to speak with Hannah in a recorded interview about what happened during that weekend and the events leading up to Lauren's death. And Hannah talked? Yeah, I watched the video. So Hannah claimed that she did not think that Chris had anything to do with Lauren's death. She felt if there had been a struggle, she would have heard it from her tent. During the conversation, Hannah's cell phone rang. It was Aaron on the other line. Sheila was not able to hear the whole conversation, but she was able to hear Aaron tell Hannah, stick to the story. Oh, God. It's not funny, but it's so... Damning. Damning, yeah. I mean, you have no evidence that that actually happened, but I believe her. Mm Mm-hmm. So when defending why she had not reported Lauren missing or contacted her family, Hannah said that Lauren was the type of person who made friends with everyone. So she said she just tried to keep herself calm, tell herself that everything was fine and that she had just simply gone off with somebody. But how do you say that when her shoes are sitting under the hammock? Yeah. Her cell phone is under the hammock. Let's be honest. You knew, right? You know, you knew, right, Hannah? And just like, I I would love to see that interview. Would Lauren really see scale herself down this cliff to go off by herself without her shoes without any of her belongings i have a best friend and in a million years i i can't wrap my head around what happened here yeah so she said that they looked everywhere and they just assumed she would eventually find them at the fest so police spoke with lauren's friend jade who hadn't attended wake fest but said she had been texting with lauren all night Lauren told Jade that she was not having any fun. She just wanted to go home. She asked Jade if she could come and pick her up, but it was late. It was dark. Jade was not familiar with the area. She didn't want to make the drive. 
In her initial interview, Hannah told police that Lauren wanted to go home and was willing to drive drunk, so they had actually taken her car keys from her. Holy cow, that's um, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that she would have done that. How far away was the drive from home? Um, eighty miles, about an hour and a half, two hours. So other people at Wakefest had also heard Lauren venting and saying that she wanted to leave because Hannah and the others were being mean to her. It's believed that Lauren never had any intention of driving home drunk since she was asking so many other people if they could drive her. So that's likely not true. Some believe that they simply took Lauren's car keys from her just to upset her. And almost like they said they were being, she said they were being mean to her. Maybe that was like part of the taunting or something. Well, yeah, you know, people can be and just like seeing how much you can get a rise out of her Mm -hmm. or whatever. So in order to get Hannah, Aaron, and Chris talking, Sherry and her husband, Michael Smith, filed a $10 million wrongful death lawsuit against the trio in December of 2016. They all pleaded the fifth, which invites their right against providing self-incriminating information. The complaint outlined the circumstances of Lauren's death and alleged that Heron excuse me, Hannah, Aaron, and Chris either intentionally, recklessly, or negligently caused Lauren's death. I don't get what you're going to get out of that because they don't have $10 million and they're not going to have to talk, are they? Well, no, because they pleaded the fifth, so they did not have to talk. So Cassie Franks, who Lauren had seen at the bar before her death, this was the one that Lauren was saying, do you have a room at your campsite? Um, She also happened to be a former girlfriend of Aaron's, and she was called during the wrongful death trial. She reported being physically abused by Aaron. Wow, that's big. She actually had photos of bruising and bite marks. Cassie said that during the fest, she and Aaron got into a verbal altercation, and he actually lunged at her. This testimony was basically just to show that Aaron was capable of violence. Sure. So Hannah spoke out in regards to the lawsuit and said, the profound sadness I experienced when learning of the death of my best friend, Lauren Agee, has only been approached by the painful allegations I somehow contributed to her death. Yeah, the your best friend, you didn't attend her funeral, you piece of garbage. How do you not go to your best friend's funeral? Keep talking out of your ass. So as part of the lo- wrongful death suit, Detective Taylor, who had been investigating Lauren's death, yeah, it sounds is so. Is it right to under, assume that Detective Taylor didn't do a good enough job? So he was deposed, and he had admitted that he had no experience working any homicide cases. He had no training in homicide investigation. The deposition revealed that there were a lot of things that could have happened in the aftermath of Lauren's death that did not happen. Basically, nothing happened. Yeah, you don't have a lot of experience, and you didn't want any experience, and you just put it under, you know, swept it under the rug. And when I say nothing like nothing, I read the little statements that Hannah, Aaron, and Chris wrote. They were like a tiny little paragraph. That's basically the extent. They looked at the campsite. They glanced. It was a campsite. Didn't interview anybody. You know, yeah, they were supposed to, and they didn't. So that's an oversight. You, you've had, you know, whether you've done a murder case or not, you've had people in the police office, you know, in the headquarters and interviewed them but you let them go. Like, it's like, man, you had them right there. All you had to do was interview them a little bit. Sure, it sounds like they kept their story together, but like nothing was done right. Nothing. There was nothing done. He should be fired. He should not be allowed to be a detective anymore. There wasn't a rape test done. Lauren's body was never swapped for DNA. No DNA evidence was collected from under her fingernails. They never did anything with the canoe to see if there was any evidence in there. Police indicated that they did not conduct a rape kit because Lauren had a tampon in place 
at the time of her death, despite the fact that she was not on her period. Some people point out that she may have just used it as a just-in-case situation, but some believe that it could actually have been that a potential rapist could have put it there for that exact reason to make it look like, oh, well, clearly she she wasn't. Yeah, I mean, we're going to... That's a interesting idea, but do you think these dumbasses would go that far? Are they capable? Maybe, sure. I mean, it sounds like they're keeping their story together, so they're capable of anything, but, I mean, you got to assume these guys are dumbasses, right? Mm-hmm. That they wouldn't go that far, but who knows? Anything's who knows? Possible. So the clothes Lauren was found wearing did not belong to her, including a bra that appeared to be put on in a tangled fashion. Of the three clasps at the back of the bra, and I did see the picture of this, only the top one had been secured. So whose clothes were they? I don't know whose clothes they were. None of my research had... Wasn't Hannah's? Like, had ever mentioned whose clothes. clothes? She was wearing bright pink shorts and a black tank top. Okay. So Detective Taylor never interviewed the person who had called 911, never spoke to any owners of the houseboats that were docked in the area where Lauren's body was found. He also failed to look for any evidence in or near the water where her body was found. Was there blood on any of the rocks? Was there indication she had gone down a certain way? Literally, there wasn't an investigation here. Was Detective Taylor involved in any training whatsoever in his whole life? I like, I am not a police officer, but did I he mean, just show up one day and they say you're a detective, Mister Taylor? What's your name, Taylor? Okay, we'll, we'll just take that and assume that your name's Taylor. There's no background checks. There's no training. Good luck. Go be a detective. There was literally nothing done here. Like what a piece of garbage. If I was him, I would get out of the industry because you know you're terrible at it, right? <laughs> just get out. I mean, really? So when the officers spoke with Lauren's friends, they were never viewed as suspects. They were literally just a source of information. Hannah continued to change her recollection of events. First, she said that she had seen Lauren with an older man on a canoe when she headed to bed. Lauren was in a very happy relationship, but Hannah mentioned that she may have gone to meet up with an ex-boyfriend. Chris indicated that Lauren had been planning to meet up with someone that night. There were literally no further details beyond this. She was going to meet up with somebody that night. Were there any texts involving exactly. that? You know, any indications? None. Her, I don't think her cell phone was ever searched. Were you texting anybody? Was she texting anyone? Oh, yeah, let's meet up here or there. Did they recovered her cell phone? Uh I think, yeah, her cell phone was under the hammock. Okay. So Sherry hired a hydrolis. Doesn't matter. Okay. What does the person do? So basically this person studies the movement of water and where they believe she would have fallen off the cliff because of where the hammock was, because of where they designated their bathroom spot would have been. It would have been impossible for her body to float against the current to the cove where she was found. Her body would have traveled in the opposite direction to where the marina was. There was also a 35-foot bend that her body would have had to float around, again, in an opposite, like, against, against the current. The, yeah. <laughs> and I'll put a post uh, a picture of that on Instagram as well. And Sherry asked the um, hydrologist, Mr. Liker, to give his opinion as part of the suit. He is a former police officer who now does investigative and consulting work, including homicide investigations. And he declared that he believed that Lauren's death was a homicide that had been covered up by Hannah, Aaron, and Chris. And he determined that the investigation was just insufficient. And it sucks because you're not going to have any 
any kind of proof because Detective Taylor didn't gather anything. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much sitting here like after the fact. Right. Basically like this was definitely a murder and dumbass Detective Taylor has nothing for us to build off of. So like unless you crack these witnesses, then nothing's going to happen. So some of the things that he pointed out were that there was no water found in Lauren's lungs. The injuries found on her body indicated that she had been involved in a struggle before her death that were not consistent with a fall. There were symmetrical injuries on her back that were consistent with her body being dragged. And I did see these injuries. They were like on her shoulder blades. Lauren's clothing and injuries were inconsistent with a fall because, again, her clothing did not show that she had literally tumbled down a cliff. It didn't show that. Um, And again, had she actually reached the bottom, she would have had to go over several feet of rock. The only thing that I could think of is like, did she fall and she was dazed and got up and kind of stumbled to where the water was? That's the only way that I could see it. But then how did her body get to the cove where it was found? Yeah, very unlikely. And according to um, Officer Yarchuk, I mean, it's his understanding and, you know, experience that when somebody drowns, they don't float at the top. They sink. Because hmm. so, you have water in your lungs. Mm-hmm. It's just the buoyancy yeah. of, of the way our bodies are built. I'm going to call it Hannah's going to crack. Let's see what happens. I hope so. From the all the just desperation and, and guilt that she feels. Let's see. I watched um, one of the like investigators go with a bunch of cameras. And you know they're out there getting into um, Aaron's truck out in Florida where they live now. I mean, Aaron sounds like a human piece of garbage. And I would imagine Chris is probably too because they hang out together. Because you are who you hang out mm-hmm. with. So Aaron, you know, especially after... I heard him say stick to the story this guy is totally fine with saying that you know whatever murder either whether he murdered her or his friend did uh, whatever he deserves to go to hell so on march 24th 2017 a judge dismissed sherry's wrongful death lawsuit against hannah on insufficient evidence in 2019 an appeals court ruled that sherry could sue hannah chris and aaron they have denied any wrongdoing in the case they have not been charged with anything Aaron and Hannah are now engaged. Chris has spent time in jail for DUI charges. Sherry holds firm that she will never give up until she finds the truth for her baby girl. She hopes that someone will someday come forward with some information, that somebody will crack someday and not be able to live with the burden of what could have potentially happened that night. So that's it. That is it. Oh, no gosh that sucks so keep in mind what we're going off of is what this sheila lady said that aaron said so this is hearsay that about the stick to the story yeah mm-hmm. and but odds are i mean that we from all this evidence it, it seems 99.9 percent sure that she didn't just tumble down and that was the story that hannah aaron and chris stuck to right that she probably just well they don't they have no idea they were they sleeping. have they were sleeping right. they have no idea what, what say. hannah says is i she's tearful she's recounting she's like all i know is I got in my tent. I went to sleep. I woke up. There's nothing but blank in there. I can't help anybody know what happened. Maybe she got up to pee. Again, if she did get up to pee, she and she would have fallen there. It, yeah, so that's not true because they didn't call the cops the whole day. The whole day. And they swam up to the scene because uh, they were worried about the cops finding her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and again, a- Officer Yarchuk and Officer Melanson, they firmly believe in their souls that this was not an accidental death. Yeah. Oh, man. I hope Hannah cracks someday. Uh, I don't think after eight well, years. Well, because Aaron's going to beat her if she does, probably. So she'd be scared. Hannah, you should run from Aaron as fast as you can. And uh, go tell the truth. The truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. P- people will uh, definitely, you know, 
not not necessarily understand, but you'll feel much, much better. And if you have a child with Aaron, you're only procreating with somebody who's capable of murder, basically. Um, so don't don't procreate with Aaron if you're listening to this and get away from him and people will protect you and just come clean, man. And you know, even if you're in jail, you're going to feel better than living with this this life of a lie of being a horrible human being and being somewhat responsible for killing your quote unquote best friend that you didn't go to her funeral. Like this is this is Hannah's opportunity to make it at least a little bit better. As a human being, if you give a crap at all about any humans alive, then you would do this. So let's just say Lauren had gotten up in the middle of the night and she had fallen to, you know, her sad and tragic death. Everything just doesn't make sense with how that day was handled. The first thing I would have done would be to have paddled my ass over to the marina where there were plenty of officers. I mean, there was a lot of security there that they were, these were off-duty officers. I would have said, I can't find my friend and all of her things are here. I don't believe that she would have gotten up and left without her things. Then that would have started an investigation. They would have gotten a hold of Sherry right from the get-go. Or at least it would have been like, hey, keep a lookout for this girl. If we find her, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know. You know, at least something. And then it shows that like you didn't do anything. Whereas mm-hmm. you staying quiet shows you definitely did something. But I just kept thinking like, imagine if our daughter went off for a weekend with like a friend that we've known for 11 plus years and we never heard from her. If, like, If I'm Lauren's parents, I would like not want her to have any happiness in life at all or Aaron or Chris. And yeah. the fact that they didn't go to the funeral. Okay, fine. Aaron and Chris, monsters, whatever. They obviously don't have a conscience. But why wouldn't Hannah, if she, if literally there was just an accident and Lauren tragically fell to her death, why wouldn't you go to her funeral? Yeah. I mean, it had to be that there was some kind of a disruption and... Yeah, Lauren fell and then they got her body and then took her somewhere. And then Aaron's like, you don't say a word of this. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we had to dispose of her because I can't go to jail. Chris can't go to jail. Like, you know, yeah. You so your mom. belief is that she it wasn't an accidental death. No, of course not. Yeah. No way. You know, zero. obviously, I started from ground zero when I was doing this research. So I was flip flopping back and forth, back and forth. But obviously, now I don't believe it was. And also the story you put together is made to feel like it's not either. So, you know, if you gather all the evidence on your own, you're more than welcome to go ahead. But when you got a couple cops saying that it's pro- definitely not and you got the Sheila lady saying it's definitely not an accident, like it's not it's not an accident. It's impossible. The closest thing to impossible without being totally mm-hmm. impossible. Yeah, and I, I hope agree. they shut down this ca- this campground or whatever it is I, where I, that spot is. Yeah, like bulldoze it or something. Yeah, you know, nobody should be staying up there. No, I mean it is like you said a beautiful view, but very sure. very dangerous. There's lots of good views with much safer. Well, even the reporters that I was watching, you know, they're like pull it, and they're like, I I can't even barely do this in the daytime with good shoes on. Lauren had flip flops on. They were drinking. It was two in the morning. You know, I mean, that is not a a good situation whatsoever. So just a very tragic and sad case. But obviously, Sherry wants answers for her daughter. For sure. She wants to be her daughter's voice because Lauren no longer has a voice. Well, Hannah, if you're listening, I hope you come to your senses and are a decent human being. Because if you're not, you're definitely going to go to hell or whatever whatever the the horrible place is because you're being a piece of crap by not coming forward with the actual story. And Aaron's going to try to knock you down as much as he can. He sounds like a narcissistic prick, like a... A lot of guys out there, and he's probably going to try to step on you. So get away from as quick as he can. Tell the truth. Truth will will, uh, set you free. 
Yes, it will. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, we've got this thing called Patreon, and you can become a patron for as little as five bucks and uh, listen to over thirty episodes. Um, you know, if you if you get with the uh, the, the middle program, we want to say welcome to the latest Crime and Coffee Couple Club members: Pamela, Brooke, Britt, Gail, Ella, and Erica. All lovely, lovely names and lovely people. So thank you so much for your support and helping us grow and helping, uh, you know, Allison kind of, you know, maybe maybe someday turn this into a whole, you know, full-time thing because then everybody's going to get more of everything you like yep. if you like our show. If you don't like it, then you probably shouldn't be a patron. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Go, so check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all those things. But um, yeah, that's about all I got. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for being here. We appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time. Bye. bye.